Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 17 of the Kicking About podcast. Um, 17. 17. Nearly at the big 2-0. Yeah. Uh, and every episode, we creep closer to our actual ages. Um, there's no tie this week. Uh, he, I, I sense a trend emerging. That, what's, what's the trend? Of him not being here. Oh, see, he yeah. always he has a go at me and you all the time, saying we should get your. I cards. am here the most often. This is yeah. To be fair, you you are here the most of, often. I don't know what you guys are about. I, and I I'm, feel like I'm next. I, I'm not saying we've all had excuses where we didn't record. I feel like I'm. I have the least. I don't. F- I feel like I just forget things. We quite are. A lot. We're close. We're you, close. You know, yeah, in our tally, and then you know, I feel like I've maybe once or twice slipped up, and then maybe you you know tw- twice or three times. Yeah, and then Ty's like you know on his fifty second time, and it's crazy because we've only done seventeen episodes. I think I think Ty's on here like his uh, fifth yellow card. He should yeah. be on a one match suspension after this, but which means he has to do an episode by himself. <laughs> but and and a forfeit as well. Um, but no, he is legitimately ill, so no Ty this week. But he's given us things to talk about. We've got things to talk about. Um, so what do you want to jump into first, Tim? Some transfers, some teams well let's 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 talk about you know uh the week the the week that just happened um just happened well you know i i i watched uh i don't watch a lot of football as everyone uh, as everyone realized i'm the casual around here uh, it's not that i don't like watching it it's just that part of me get a bit disgusted with like the amount of money's involved and also i'm quite busy so i don't tend to have like games marked out um but i watched the fa cup game between villa and man united uh, and I just want to see for myself how poor Man United is. Because I've heard for so long since Ranić uh, took over that they haven't improved. And because, you know, all the Oli out crew have been like crucifying me for standing by my man Oli. So I was like, let's have a look, you know. Um, and Gerard being, you know, being there, that was good. Um, I mean, good for old time's sake. As that, you know, Man United Liverpool rivalry. Friendly guy. rivalry. I wouldn't say friendly, um, but yeah, we tuned in. With my friend, I was at my friends who were having like ten of us were having dinner, and then um, uh, my long-suffering Arsenal fans, friends who are Arsenal fans, was like they want to watch the downfall of Man United. So we we, we put it on the TV, uh, and it was shocking. It was genuinely shocking watching the way Man United play. I I I personally thought Villa should have won, easily should have scored. Their problem is finishing, at least in that game, and a bit, little bit of bad luck. But they easily put a put six, seven past us. Beautifully, beautifully crafted chances. That team looks complete, solid in the back, solid, n- and and it's not just counter attack football. It's good build up play, yeah. um, playing through the middle, playing through wings, pasty attacking, uh, patience and you know pretty patient in front of goal. Um, yeah, they just need better finishing. Um, and and with the with the additions they've got, w- which we'll talk about later on, um, they they should look to be a pretty dangerous side this this the rest of the season. Yeah, Villa always look good. I didn't watch the cup. I was playing football on Monday night, so I didn't see the cup game at all. But um, obviously, I saw the controversial VAR decisions. I saw that Aston Villa dominated the game, and uh, it's. <laughs> It's something that Ty really wanted to talk about this week was was Villa and how far they can go under Steven Gerrard and they're building a very solid team. My worry is is that you know we expected a lot of them at the start of the season. Maybe they didn't deliver as much under Dean Smith as we expected. They are picking up again under under Gerrard, but it's how 
integrated can Gerard get this team? Can he push them back towards, you know, the former glory days mm. of, of challenging for Europe yeah. again and, and kind of battling with the big boys in the Premier League? But it's, it's hard to know. I mean, Villa did play really well. United, on the, contra- on, the other, on the flip side, did play really poorly. And, you know, I saw a video of Rashford who... I think it was a Martinez save from a Greenwood shot, and yeah. he, Rashford just stood still. And no. the rebound was right in front of him. Yeah, I I have this theory. Um, well, not theory, but I do want to speak on on um, Rashford's behalf. I don't know if I can do that, but you know he's an MBE, <laughs> and I'm here on my almost minimum wage job, and he's <laughs> on a quarter million a week. But you know, I admire him. He's he's a he's a very young man. I can say that because I'm almost five years older than him. Um, he's trying to do a lot of things at a very high level at the same time. You know, we all know about his community work. We all know that s- before the last 18 months, statistically speaking, he is one of the best young forwards um, in the country, in the league. And I think he, first and foremost, I think Man United has really messed him up. I was reading up on how he's not been managed properly in terms of player development. So he was introduced to the squad by Louis van Gaal, who left not too long after w- after his intru- um, his debut. And then Mourinho wasn't the biggest fan of how all the spotlight was on him. So they sort of just let him do his thing. Uh, and I think the expectation of Oli when Oli came was that Oli's going to, really take him to the next level, being a forward and whatnot, and being, you know, a big fan of the club. Um, as it turns out, Oli didn't take too many um, training sessions. Um, Oli delegated most of the training to the coaches, like Michael Carrick, which I think is why Michael Carrick could bring, to let Man, is able to direct Man United to play good games for those three or four games that he was in charge of. Um, and then, and then, when as Ranić comes around, his priority is probably not to turn Rashford into the next superstar that that he can be. So as a player, I personally think, from what I've read, the little that I've read, it sounds like he's been severely mismanaged. On top of that, how is the club supporting the things he's doing in his out life outside of football? Right, the community work he's doing, sh- and his, you know, um when he was and he's doing all that he's constantly have to look at you know uh, being looked at you know being spattered at by politicians how's the club um being supportive of him are they helping him with i don't know counseling mental health support it's strange right when we talk about stuff like that you hear uh, you know multi-millionaire struggling like that but he is 24 psych um uh, psychologically speaking his brain is still not fully developed um as a as a man so under so much pressure and the pressure I'm sure he put himself under, how is he dealing with it? And so when I look at, you know, I'm not a body language expert, but I look at the way he responded in that game, his running is not, it's not great, I don't think. Um, his body language didn't look great compared to, you know, at least 18 months ago, compared to pre-World Cup. World Cup, sorry, Euros. <laughs> Um, so I just think you know there's a lot of pressure under uh, both put in put on himself by him, 
and both um, put on himself by the club and by fans. He knows he can do better. How how is the club helping him become better? That's my question. Yeah, it's a really it's a really good point, and uh, I think it's it's easy to forget as well that Rashford's only been around for five six years because he came into the limelight so young mm. and. You know, he was scoring on debuts here, you know, Man United debut, was it Champions League debut, England debut. Yeah. And he kind of got pushed into this, the next big thing category for English football. And, you know, English football and the media and fans, we say it a lot about a lot of players, you know. Conor Gallagher's the next big thing. Smith Rowe's the next big thing. Saka's the next best thing. Yeah. We say it about a lot of players, but when Rashford came into that spotlight, he was the one that, was really tooted to be the next big English export into football. And he, he came with a lot of talent. And over the last few years, he's been pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And he, you're right, he hasn't been managed properly. Yeah. Um, for a young player, he was playing most games. Um, I look at the likes of, you know, someone like Greenwood now, who isn't pushed to that same level that Rashford was a few years ago. No. And Greenwood seems to be managed better like he was left out of the England squad in the summer so that he could you know take time to mm. recover from injury um there's been agreements about leaving him out of the England squad to let him develop um but there was never any of that with Rashford and I think he's been pushed so much and now I looked at his body language when that that rebound came out and yeah. he didn't run for it and there's so little joy at, coming th- out of him there is very little joy but I look at the way he like players like Ronaldo that is yeah. something that how Ronaldo reacts and it makes me think that is Rashford and the team suffering because you see Ronaldo's frustration on the pitch quite a lot you yeah. see him always shrugging his shoulders throwing his hands up in the air not running for balls if he's if he doesn't think he's going to get there and is that starting to rub off on the squad I mean there's a lot of pundits throwing things around about Man United and the unrest in the dressing room yeah. but I know players like Fred have come out and and publicly addressed and said there's not but ultimately, Ranić is safe in a job, whether he's manager or not, because yeah. of the way he negotiated his contract. So realistically, Ranić doesn't need to worry about too much this year because no. he's still going to be in employment next year. Yeah. And it just doesn't look like United are gelling. And it's you know I saw a comment from Skulls the other day saying yeah. that this the, this is the biggest club in the world and they've not got the best manager in the world, which they should have and they should. And Ranić isn't that man. I think. Oli has been able to mask a lot of the problems that we w- that that is currently exposed because Oli's all about the vibes. You know? He took jo- the blame for a lot of it himself. He took a lo- yeah, he took a lot of it himself because he loves the club, and he is you know at the end of the day he has good vibes, right? And when you have the manager who's good vibes, you know it's easy to ignore the rest that's happening there. He put it on his shoulders. Um, is a man like Ranić all credit to him in his career? it's not going to do the same because he doesn't have that level of attachment to a club. And suddenly, you see a lot of... I just feel like the players, even through bad results the last two years, are not showing... I've never... There's a lot more sense of unity behind them. Now, it looks like everyone's for themselves. Um, You know, the games I've watched this year, Bruno doesn't look like he's inspired. He doesn't look like he wants to do anything. Um... He's not particularly looking to like. He last year he was the one pushing everyone. He was the one you know trying to hold everyone accountable. Now it doesn't look like he he's either able to do that, or he doesn't feel like he should do that, or he's not willing to do that. And 
it just feels like there's a lot of finger pointing going on at the moment. No one wants to own up. And I don't want to say it's Ronaldo because I'll be crucified by my United fans because he is apparently the Lord and Saviour of the club. But you remember me saying quite early on that it's not going to work out well when Ronaldo joined the club. Yeah, you did. And and I just think that whether or not he's the causation or he he is the... He sort of just exposed because of him, everything got exposed better. Something about Ronaldo doesn't fit where the club is at right now. And it just shows, along with how Renyek is hired and everything, it just shows, I think, the club is severely mismanaged. But I don't think we're here to talk about Man United. We're here to talk about Villa. But do you not, do you not think, just like, lastly on United, that if Michael Carrick was to have been given the role after, because his last game was the Chelsea game, I believe, yeah. and, you know, United weren't amazing but they set up tactically correct and they got the draw and that was all that mattered do you not think under Carrick that United would have well, would have probably been positioned better in the table right now than they are under Ranić because Carrick knew the players he's coached the players and he got the results he needed in the few games that he was in charge I think we're trying to do too many things at the same time I say we as in Man United um, there are there are going to be a lot of pressure not to hire Carrick because because they're going to try to yeah so you have the problem of the manager so they don't want to do they don't they want to re Ollie because that's what Ollie did right he was the caretaker and then he became the permanent manager because good results and so they're under a lot of pressure not to replicate that let's get someone professional to do this um, and then the club has a clear culture problem that has been shown that was I think was held together by Oli. Um, all the stories about how Oli tried to, uh, you know, bring back the the one team culture, you know, training staff, um, people who work at the training centres, people who are just like cleaners and 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 you know canteen staff. The one team culture. He tried to hold that together. Now it looks like everything's falling apart. So you have the culture problem. And then you have stupid things like we're trying to um, offer Pogba, who hasn't played since, what, October? 400k. Yeah. Who is clearly not going to be a positive influence within the team when it comes to performing on the field, performing on the pitch. And, um, yeah, just, just team cohesion. I'm not saying he's a bad person. He's clearly a very talented player. But I just don't think he suits what the club needs right now. Yeah. A dum-dum like me can tell. And we're trying to offer him 400k a week. That's that what we should paying. I say we. That's what Liverpool, that's what Salah wants. And Liverpool doesn't want to pay him. So, yeah. so, so it's just a complete joke in terms of how the club is being run. And they're trying to do to fix too many things at the same time. And yet none of the things that they're trying to implement are correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know what the right solution is because if I am, I probably will be hired to do this. But I just don't think I just don't think that any of the things that they're trying to do are the right thing. Yeah. We can start off, I think, by letting Pogba go. Just selling players that are fringe and maybe less beneficial for the club. You know, Pogba's one of them. Ronaldo's such a big player; he saves goals. But again, he's one of the ones that looks to be. I think a lot of the arguments are saying that Ronaldo, a lot of the goals that we scored are scored by Ronaldo. But I think if he weren't here, 
we would have tried to score those goals in another method. Yeah. Playing a different way. Different style, yeah. Um, and, yeah, just the last piece on Ranić. I think the reason why Ranić can't get the success that Carrick seems to have over his, his three games is because Ranić has tried to impose a completely different structure in, into the team. Well, he's playing 4-2-2-2. Yeah. On, and he wants the team to have a high press and constant press. Yeah. This is a group of player who hasn't really done that for this year. Last year, when the team was healthy, I think they did it pretty well. Because um, Oli was all about high press, counter attack, while sitting back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I just don't think I just don't think the club is well managed. Okay. On the other hand, it looks like Villa. Villa is on the trail up, as you know, st- Liverpool fans would love this because Gerrard's on the helm. But they looks like they're on the way up, and like judging from the way they play, they played with the addition that they added so far with Dinia and Coutinho. Um, they look like they're on the way up. They will be s- more solid up uh, from the back. They will have more width play, and Coutinho on a good day reminds me a lot of like a slightly more athletic Ho- Chelsea Huamata. Yeah. Um, he can ping the ball literally whatever way he wants. He, Coutinho, f- again, from memory, and, uh, you know, uh, can control the pace um, of the game almost by himself, and he's a goal threat. The years before Liverpool's current success, a lot of it came down to how good Coutinho was on the day. Yeah, I think... Coutinho now is a different player to the one that we had at Liverpool. Um, my worry about Villa is, is that they're still looking to fill that hole left by Grealish. Mm. Like it was supposed to be Buendia. He hasn't performed for Villa. No. Jacob Ramsey started coming into the team and he's been solid, but they don't want to put their trust in someone too young yet. They want that experience on the team. Yeah. Gerard's coming and said, hey, you know, I've played with Coutinho. I've worked with him. He's a great player. Let's bring him in. Um, they've done that. Will Coutinho perform or are they still going to be looking for someone to fill that hole? Because Villa this season should be higher up the table than they are at the moment. Again, I mean, they're, they're, they're 14th. Yeah. And they're behind the likes of, you know, Brentford, Palace, Southampton. And we would have expected them to at least be, you know, behind the front runners. Can they actually start gelling under Gerard now to form a solid team to, to to get higher up the table to push for European football as we said before or is it going to be a case of they've got the players but they can't get the results it it looks like from I haven't watched a lot of Villa admittedly um, but it looks like you know you look at Dean Smith at Norwich now and you look at Gerrard um, at Villa since, it, since they've taken over before the transfer window Villa's it, uh, Gerard seems to have done a lot better with the tools he had than Dean Smith had with the tools he had at both clubs. So I uh, just from this small sample size, it looks like Gerard knows what he's, what he's doing. Um, you can argue that it's just a new manager blip, um, but you know over Christmas and over New Year's, to be able to sustain good results, to be what four places above where they were, I think that's pretty good. And I think it's safe to say that in this trajectory, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished top 10. Just looking to try and see who... The, the question for me for Villa, really, is can Gerrard sustain it next season? 
because teams would have figured up Villa by next season. I think it's interesting, right? The, it's, they play United again this this weekend, and this time it's at Villa Park. And you know they batted Man United at Old Trafford. Can they put that same performance together? Will we see the likes of Digne Coutinho starting to integrate in this team with the few training sessions they've had? I mean, Digne's. I know it's not over the line yet that deal, um, but it, um, you'd expect it to be by Saturday. Um, will we start to see a new style? Villa team this early or will it take time I I, I want to say that Villa I'm, I'm always a big believer in whoever wins in a cup will then win in the league won't win in the league and vice versa you will usually get a trade off somewhere down the line um, so I'd expect Villa to maybe go out and win this I think Villa will feel robbed and they will certainly try to do even better like everything it's hard to tell right it's always hard to tell um, duh <laughs> but y- you think the response from the Villa team is okay. We've got another go at proving the del- proving these losers wrong. Um, we're just going to play everything a little bit tighter. We're just going to f- be a little bit more composed in front of goal. Um, if Coutinho is going to be there, he will undoubtedly be able to orchestrate things a little bit better than they already did. Maybe even a goal threat from outside the box. I, I at this point, like, I'm not trying. I don't bet on football, but if I did, I would. I wouldn't bet against Villa. Yeah, I, th- I think Villa. I think Villa. I think they'll struggle in the first few games, um, but I think they'll push on towards the end of the season, and we'll start to see the foundations of a team that hopefully can push the bigger teams again next year. That maybe in the summer can bring in more players again. I th- I always struggle with Villa. Like, how much money do they actually have to spend on transfers? Because <laughs> they seem to have bought in a lot of players this year already, and they're still signing players. Yeah, I, w- I want to know what that, what that, book, oh, yeah. how they cook their books. Um, but yeah, I think thinking about the way they lost that game you know, with the VAR. Well, I saw, ca- I saw it was five, five different things apparently that were checked on VAR. It was was Watkins offside? Yep. Was Ings offside? Did Watkins touch the ball? Did Ings handball it? And did Ramsey block off um, the United... I think it was Cavani, the United sure. player. Um, and it wasn't until they it came to the fifth one that they disallowed the goal at. And watching it, it didn't seem like there was anything wrong with the goal at all. I was watching it with two Arsenal fans, a neutral, myself and this other Man United fan there. Uh, I am normally pretty objective, I like to think. Uh, would you say I'm pretty objective? Yeah. Yeah. Um, even as a Man United fan, uh, even when it comes to Chelsea and Liverpool, I tend to be quite objective. My friend, however, he he's not. He is every th- everything United and everyone else suck. Um, and even he was like, this goal should be given. Yeah. Because every... Si- like, so the ref couldn't figure it out. The VAR ref couldn't figure it out. And so the ref had to go watch the screen. And through those replays, no one, not including the commentators and the pundits, could figure it out. So it's not clear and obvious. So I think, I don't, you know, I know the rule says differently, right? The rules are very black and white. But if it's, you spend so much time looking and everyone is in cohesion as to, they don't know what's going on. They can't find, that you have to like scrub literally frame by frame yeah. just to find that inch of, of foul uh, or rule breaking. I think you should give it. If, it's, if it if it takes longer than a minute to actually look over the footage, I, then I don't think. Like I've watched, 
I watch a lot of sports. You know this, right? So especially American sports. I watch a little bit of cricket. I watch a little bit of tennis. All of them, all TV reviews are quick and easy. Yeah. Even in basketball where they just complain so much to the ref, they look at the screen once, that's it. If they can't tell within like one minute, as you said, if they scrubbed it twice, they still can't find it, they don't give it. Yeah. And that's how it should be. And that's how it should be. That's how I think VAR should be implemented. And and right now, there are so many fans against VAR, not because of the fairness that it brings, it's because it's completely being misused. It's just, because the refereeing is pretty bad in, in the Premier League, it just exacerbated the badness, the lack of quality in refereeing. It doesn't improve on anything because the people that use it are still the same people that are refing. And it's implemented in the same way I just don't. I just don't think it improves on anything. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I mean, we could debate for hours on VAR, how to get it right, where it's going wrong, what rules need to be changed, how do we make it seamless? If you can't tell clear and obviously on the screen, then I don't think it should be given. Yeah, um, it shouldn't be a technicality. Yeah. Um, but speaking of, te- I don't know technicality. Oh, I, 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 if you're not about to segue, I was literally then about to segue as well. Oh, go on then. I was going to say, you know, just going back to Villa um, and how they're missing a few players at the moment. One of them being marvelous Nakamba, mm. who is currently out at the African Cup of Nations for yep. Zimbabwe. Yeah. Um, it was another thing that Ty wanted to talk to me about. Do you know what? I was going to segue to the exact same thing. How are you, you going to do it? it? Yeah, I was just going to say, speaking of. Uh, aggravated results. Oh. <laughs> uh, Ty okay, yours was, yours was better than mine. So, so mine was short and sweet, but he did it poetically. I, I, I was gonna, yeah, I was yeah. gonna go around around the block a little bit, whereas Tim went for the more direct route. But it can tell we we are on the same wavelengths. We were, we were, and and Ty, uh, before we came today, I messaged Ty and I just said, you know, anything you want us to talk about, and he seems to think there was a huge injustice done against Zimbabwe. Okay. Yeah. Um, with the 93rd minute penalty given against them, um, in which Senegal and Mane obviously scored the penalty and went mm. on to win and take three points. Yeah. Um, the penalty decision in question was a handball. Um, I remember, I'm just trying to load back the messages. Uh, what did Ty say to me? He said, Robbed, saw the replay, wasn't a pen. Uh, it was very flaky. Where was his arm meant to go? Um, so I sent Tim the video. Tim's watched it as well. And we're mm. both in agreement that it was a penalty. Yeah. Um, Did Ty say why he doesn't think it's a penalty? Uh, he just said, where is his arm meant to go? So I'm guessing he kind of thinks it's a natural position for it the arm. It really isn't. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Um, it's So the guy is flying across goal. Uh, I th- I'm guessing he's trying to head the ball away. He's just throwing his body in the way to block and it. His arm was falling into the pathway of the ball. It wasn't it, normally if you're trying to avoid it, you'd be trying to swing it away from the ball. And you and I have both played football. Uh, I'm you know not at that level, but we play a regular amount of football. For I don't know, I've been playing since seven or eight. You know, little chubby kid running around the break the, the football pitch. You know, but I've been playing football. I I know the rules fairly well. You know, you've been playing football since. You know, I'm sure you're 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 a wee little lad. Oh, yes. Yeah. Most of us would probably have. I'm sure Ty would have been playing football for a long time. Yeah. And that is about as unnatural as hand placement as it gets. Yeah, when your arms kind of across your body and up, no matter kind of how much momentum you use to to try and block a ball, if it's taken a deflection off your arm, it's going to be given as a penalty. I just don't think that's how. 
Yeah, I've been trying to replay how I would jump across the goal to block a ball with my body or head and how my arm would swing. I just don't think it would swing yeah, out and down towards the ball. Yeah. Um, so if you guys haven't watched it, um, please watch it. Um, it's the p- uh, handball ruling um, for uh, Zimbabwe versus Senegal. Uh, last minute penalty. Um, please check it out. And then tell Ty he's wrong. However, I I will say one thing to Ty. Like, I did watch the video again, and it, this is just a video on Twitter. It's nothing in particular. And when Mane does strike the ball, there is a Senegal player in the box impeaching in the penalty Uh-oh. area. Um, there is also about three Zimbabwe defenders as well, but <laughs> there is a Senegal player in there impeaching into the area as well, in which... From so my knowledge, I may get this wrong. The penalty should then be retaken. Yeah. Um, which it wasn't. So there is one thing that I will say that maybe Zimbabwe are a little bit hard done by on that. I think it definitely was a penalty. But there were players impeaching into the area. and I suppose, you know, if you've got three of your own team and then one of the other team imp- impeding on in the area, do you just like do oh yeah, two cancels? impeaching, didn't I? Oh, whoops. Yeah. Um, so do you like, you know, um, two cancels at one? Or, um, yeah. Uh, also, like it's, it was the last kick of the game, right? So I'm sure the ref is like, I want to go home now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, to be fair, I mean, there was definitely a ref today that wanted to go home. Um, <laughs> I, so I, I, I haven't, like, I, I don't even watch the Premier League football, so I'm very sorry, um, AFCON fans. I haven't ca- caught up with much AFCONness. But as um, we were preparing this episode, I was going through the soccer subreddit um, on Reddit. And this is the most amazing thing ever. Um, if you guys are on Reddit, please go on Reddit. Because let me just find the the post. It's a m- the comment section is amazing. Um, let me read it out for you guys. Uh, where is it? I probably should have saved this. Um, there's a lot of fallout coming out of this as well. Um, huge, huge lot. I watched the game and it was because it was. Bad refereeing all game round, right? Uh, I, th- I think that's where VAR has been really good so far. There mm. was a lot of decisions that needed to be double-checked. Okay. Um, which you could say the refereeing was bad, yes, but also you could say was maybe that's where VAR has actually been positive. Mm. Um, but, it, yeah, it so was So for those who don't know, questionable. what happened? Oh, I thought you were going to... Oh, oh, okay, I'll <laughs> go for it. Okay, I was waiting for you. Okay, um, so the referee for this match, for, um, I can't remember his name, Jani uh, Sikazwe, who is from Zambia, he blew the full-time whistle in the 85th minute. Um, there had already been, by this point, I think three VAR checks, two penalties given, mm. nine substitutions in total. Um, so, you know, you, you look at, you're time. looking at a good amount, you know, yeah. three, four minutes of added time. At least. Blows his whistle in the 85th minute, right? There's outrage from the benches. The, mm. the Tunisian bench are all looking at their watches going, well, there's What's still five on? minutes yeah. left. Referee, you know, acknowledges his mistake, looks to reset his his watch again, and then ends up blowing the full-time whistle um, about 20, 25 seconds before 90 minutes. So, in the 89th minute, really, mm-hmm. realistic, realistically. Yeah. Um, without the injury time. Without any injury time yeah. at all. Um, gets a, a huge amount of abuse from the Tunisian bench. Security has to come on the pitch to keep the referees separate as they walk back towards the, you know the changing rooms. And it was just absolutely crazy. Like Scenes. considering the VAR check for the Tunisian penalty, 
took a while. The penalty was then saved. The ref then had to wait for the following corner because they were checking to see if the penalty had been saved legally. Like, there, there should have been at least, you know, four, I'd say at least four minutes of added time in that game. And the referee just blew the whistle at the 89th minute. It was yeah, 89 minutes, 42 seconds, full-time whistle was blown. Um, in between the... So there was a minute's break between the first time he blew his whistle in the 85th minute. Um, and then when he restarts, so that's a minute in itself. Um, then there was a red card. Uh, the red card was referred to VAR, mm-hmm. um, which was another couple of minutes there. Yep. And then the referee blew the full-time whistle. So here's a more interesting thing that happened. So Marley's coach... Um, who Mali was the winning side. Um, his press conference, post-game press conference, was interrupted by um, the African uh, Federation officials um, as they barge in are saying the match will be restarted to play out the last three minutes of the game. That happened during the post-game uh, com- uh, uh, press conference. He's he's he was very angry, rightly so. Um, some of these comments are also very interesting. I don't know. Um, it sounds like either the guy forgot to pause his watch during halftime <laughs> or he mistook 85th for 95th or something dubious is happening. Oh, I, d- I didn't actually look at the after-game offic- uh, like uh, what happened after the match, to be yeah. honest. I saw it and kind of switched off to it after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Press conference interrupted, saying the game wanted to be restarted. But not restart from the from the start. Restart no. from you know, where they left off. Yeah, the extra the so extra to play three minutes. more minutes. Um, there was then a long period of time of waiting. The referees came back out onto the pitch and were discussing what to do. They were then going to resume the game for the final three minutes. So even then, there's only what three minutes of added time when there should have been about eight. Probably about probably realistically about six or seven, mm. even though I think it could have been minimum four. Um, Tunisia then refused to come out to play the final three minutes. Mali waited, and then the ref blew the full time whistle officially, just leaving it as it is. Uh, there was no clarity on whether Tunisia had forfeited the match or whether it was a one nil scoreline, which I think has now stayed as a one nil scoreline. I don't think it went down as a, as a forfeit in the end. Um, but I've, I've just been reading some of the comments from the Tunisian head coach as well. He just said, very tough to manage non-sporting affairs. At the 85th minute, he blows final whistle. Again, at 89th minute, there was supposed to be seven to eight minutes of additional time. His decision is inexplicable. Uh, the players were taking ice baths for 35 minutes before they were called back out again. Yep. I've been coaching for a long time, never seen anything like it. Even the fourth referee was preparing to lift the board and then with the whistle was blown. Yep. It's, it's, it's crazy, but this is... This is kind of unheard of in football. Yeah. But it also makes it a lot more interesting to watch. It, it, <laughs> it makes you wonder if like, if this is an honest mistake or something more, you know, sinister is happening. This, that is the question, isn't it? And but surely if you, you're being paid, right, to blow a game wrong, you wouldn't be that obvious. No. Because from what I've read and from what you're telling me and from what Ty's saying... Um, a lot of stuff have happened that simply points to this ref being a bad ref. 
Because you can't be that obvious to give the game away, right? Uh, can you? No. I no. Feel like if you and he d- it did look like it was a lot of confusion and whether his watch hadn't synced up properly, whether he might have accidentally, you know, hit it throughout the game. And I, I don't know. You, you don't know what's going on in the referee's head. But it was a very questionable decision. And it kind of cast a bit of a shadow over the AFCON temporarily. But I think some of the football we've seen... Um, I mean, I've watched a lot of draws, so, yeah. you know, there's not been huge, huge quality, but I've really enjoyed watching it so far. And this is the first time that I've I've kind of fully committed to watching the Afghan, and I, I, there's definitely been some star moments. Like that first game um, with Cameroon, good drama, good game. I think even the Senegal-Zimbabwe Senegal, game, really good game. I'm trying to remember which game it was the other day. It might have been Sierra Leone, I want to say. And the inspirational performance of their goalkeeper. Um, there's, To be fair, I've seen some shocking goalkeeping at times, but the, the standard of quality in the goalkeepers, they're brave. They, yeah. they step up, they step out. They predict the game so well. It, it's, it's just been such a joy to watch, and I'm really enjoying it. And I know... One of my favourite African teams are Ivory Coast, obviously for reasons of Didier Drogba mm-hmm. and always playing with them on FIFA a few years ago because mm-hmm. they just had such a good team. Uh, I know they play tonight, so I'm looking forward to watching them in, b- in between the Chelsea game. And what a time it is to be a football fan. You've got African Cup of Nations going on, Women's Super League still going strong, Premier League going strong, Cup games galore. Mm. Uh, Champions League will be back next month. What a, this time of the year for a football f- football fan is just a joy. Um, I'm just going to read out some of the comments. Do on it. This, Go. On this threat, threat. Uh, for people who follows F1, um, this comment says Michael Massey will be proud. Michael Massey was the r- the race director for the last well for uh, for F1, and he rightly or wrongly caught the last race, the title decider of last season. Um, to create more drama. Um, apparently, uh, this ref has been, um, uh, has been, what's the word, indicted? Not indicted, um, has been accused of um, bribery before, or accepting bribery before. Corruption allegations, yeah, he had corruption um, allegations pointed at him before. He was subsequently cleared, but it's happened. Um, what else? Uh, this one, this is my favorite one. Uh, let me find it. I want to read it properly. Um, oh, yeah. This guy said, oh, and I thought English refs were bad. Um, you have... Oh, yeah. Babe, I can't come over right now. I'm officiating a match, but I'm home alone. Um, someone someone else suggested that he had the oven on and fo- I left it open. I left it on. Um, yeah. So, that's... Th- you know, if your if your work is so memeable, I think there's something wrong with the work that you've done. I think one of the things Ty said to me earlier as well. He said that you know, Tunisia used to be powerhouses in African football as well. Sure. And I think that's that was something I think he wanted to talk about next week as well. Was the kind of fall of Tunisia in recent years, and you know they've relied on quite a lot, uh, Wabi Kazri, and his performances you know he's now 30 he's 
coming towards you know the peak slash end of his career maybe so where do they go going forward but yeah I'm, I know Ty will love to go into the into AFCON next week when he's back so I well you won't go into it too much but thoroughly enjoyable every game on Sky Sports if you've mm. got it definitely worth it and it's during the day so you don't have to wait yeah or you wait up for it 1 4 and 7 p.m so if you have um you know you don't have to work during the day on the weekday perfect it's good it's good um i just yeah it was i just saw a video literally just came up on my twitter feed as i was resetting it sierra leone's first afcon match since 1996 and their goalie balled out and yeah, he was the incredible goalkeeper. If you haven't seen some of the highlights, um, definitely look for Sierra Leone's keeper highlights because he was incredible. Definitely incredible. Uh, that's everything Ty gave me to cover this week. Mm. Is there anything else you want to cover this week? Or should we go straight into predictions? We should. Um, I don't know if you follow footballers on Twitter. Um, I follow... I don't really follow footballers on Twitter. I only follow Gary Lineker and... Um, Gary Neville. Um, they are quite politically involved in terms of their commentary, and I just love how how funny they are in terms of like their political commentary. I don't want to, you know, put politics into this, so I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> but if you like a bit of political humour or satire, go follow them on in, on Twitter. <laughs> to be fair, I don't follow either of them, but I see their tweets quite a lot. It's and they are good. golden. Even Gary Lineker going back and forth with Piers Morgan every now yeah. and then as well. Um, it does bring some joy to the to, to the oh, day. Oh yeah, okay. Piers Morgan can give, can 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 take one because um, you know the commemorative kit that Arsenal um w- was wearing this weekend. Uh, yes, uh, the to highlight kit. Yeah, to highlight knife crime in London, uh, which is very no- noble. Uh, admittedly, they played pretty poorly, but you know I think it's something worth talking about. And there's definitely even chatter amongst my friendship groups um, about, you know, um, knife crime in London. Uh, we don't normally talk about that because none of us live in London. Yeah. Um, and Piers Morgan decided that it was a trash kit because it looked like Tottenham and it was not noteworthy. I think he's missing the bigger picture. Yes, as Tot- he usually does. Piers Morgan, just go, just go, just go be, just go annoy someone else somewhere else. He probably will. He probably already has done that to him. <laughs> five people. I mean, he, he went to America, so and then they didn't want him. Yeah. Normally, they take British stuff quite well. He's very outspoken. Um, For the wrong reasons. But definitely, I mean, even just going off off the Arsenal kit this weekend, FA Cup action as well. Um, don't want to take away from the message you just said. Arsenal were very poor in the game, but they produced such a strong message by taking the red out of their kit. You know, this is an Arsenal team that have had red like, in their kit Like, if you... Forever. Also, it, if you're watching on television, you cannot see any branding. Yeah. And commercially, that's that's a no-no. And they're not selling the kit. So it's not like a, oh, well, look at us, we're going to do this and then we're going to sell it off. Like, no, they're not selling the kit. They're going to use it to fundraise towards different charities in London to victims of knife crime and to educate people on yeah. why you know knife crime is you know knife is you should stop knifing people but you know that's for me is very noble uh, it, they probably should have won that game to make it even better but they didn't but that doesn't matter like, yeah the message they produced is 
huge. Yeah. And it's the first time we've had a message like that yeah. put out there in the world of football. I, I, I think it's a very strong message. That isn't just, you know, a campaign that you see on TV or yeah. on the screen at a stadium. Yeah, it's and the first time you've seen an action taken you can try you, and promote a message. You can say, like, you know, the kneeling is performative and all that stuff. I don't believe it, but, you know, you can believe that. But this, to me, felt like a very strong message. Yeah, and I think... Even the kneeling, you know, I watched the Palace-Millwall game and the Millwall fans all booing it because Millwall don't take the knee themselves. They stand. Um, as a club, that was their decision. Um, but when you hear like boos like that, whether you think it's some kind of gesture or a political gesture or whatever, you know, I you still think you give it. the respect yeah. needed to it. And... You know, Mill- Millwall fans have that reputation. They're, um, they're special. They threw a bottle at uh, Michael Elise's head, to which, hats off to him, he then turned around and kind of did a bring it to the crowd. Um, but, you know, these messages in football are there for a reason and they're there to promote, they're there to educate. And I think people it's who... a big thing for young kids when you're watching football, when you see these kind of statements... You know, this could be the difference between anything. You know, if if you see Arsenal playing in a white kit and there's this strong message behind knife crime about it, and you grew up looking at that, you know that that could be someone who doesn't carry a knife around in the future. You know, you see these gestures as, 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 as children. I think, and they stick with you. I think as well. People who say pe- politics should be left out of football are really delusional, because politics is everywhere. Is every part of our life. And football, as much as you don't want to admit it, is political. Super League is polit- political. You look at how, you know, these are multi-millionaires that we are willingly contributing towards. That's political. Yeah. It, I, th- I think people just need to realise that actually, that, that w- when we can do so much good out of this, you know, be it racial equality or raci- uh, you know, fight against racial injustice, or giving our footballers a platform to to talk about things that we don't normally hear about. A lot of these footballers are coming from from underserved communities, whatever you know ethnicity they are from. You know, if we're willing to give them so much money, surely we should be able to have some tolerance as to what they're going to say. It's not take my money and shut up. What kind of world will we be telling people that we're living in if that's the attitude you or you have towards? young men who aspire to be better than they were. I mean, look at the Newcastle takeover as well. You know, it was That's political. It was, it, yeah, it was disallowed originally because it because of political views, because of their human rights issues and because yep. the, the Premier League was streamed illegally over there. They then decided that they take action if Premier League games are streamed illegally mm-hmm. and then it gets approved. What happened to that human rights issue? Yeah. that it was blocked for originally yeah. politically it then gets approved there's there's politics in there somewhere and now they're just able to buy whoever they want whenever they want and yeah relegate other teams yeah and also like you know Newcastle supporters the amount of people I've heard talk about again you know I understand you know I, I would love nothing more for us to get rid of the Glazers and have you know a mega rich owner come in and rebuild the club and let's be honest, the only people who are mega rich right now are either, you know, Sheks from the Middle East or, you know, trillionaires like Jeff Bezos. They are, yeah. in some ways, n- you can't amass that amount of wealth without being some kind of evil. But 
you know, the the thing that really disheartened me was the argument that, oh, I know they're they're not very good, but my football club's rich now. I I have no legs to stand on. On this, I I'm fully aware. I'm being self I'm being hypocritical here because what else are you gonna do, right? You can't control. Yeah. I I just think like you know as a as an individual, there's so we can make a stand on things like this. Um, I can still support Man United, but I haven't bought Man United merch in three years. I mean, we saw how it happened with the Super League, right? Fans yeah. took a stand, and yeah. that's the power that football fans can have when they join together for a common and, and and i get it like you know you've been long suffering under mike ashley for i don't want to turn this again against newcastle newcastle seems to have something good going on i think uh, the derby county Best. fans and <laughs> yeah but you know um yeah anyway yeah i don't want to go too deep into this <laughs> no this is not a political podcast and obviously uh, mike ashley 50 million pound bid for derby county as well just in case Anyone wasn't aware of that. Oh, yeah, they're so. in administration, right? Yeah. So Mike Mike actually loves himself a deal. So, uh, looking forward to the spo- Sports Direct banners inside. Before we go into... Pride um, Park? We go into uh, 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 predictions. I had this really random thought now that you brought up Derby the other day. Oh, no. Uh, um, no, 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 no. Nothing nothing crazy. Um, I During the game against Villa, Man United Villa, I saw um, Luke Shaw running. Just really reminded me of Rooney. <laughs> Just a slightly what, short style, or himself running, ju- or not the style, just the just the silhouette of a slightly shorter man who doesn't have a lot of hair up top. I mean, Luke Shaw's by choice, Rooney's by genetics, uh, and running forward the way that his stride just looks a lot like Rooney. Very similar. I yeah. can see it. To be fair, I yeah. can see. I can see why. Again, I'm not. I'm not saying either of them are chubby, because um, you can't be if you're going to be a footballer, but. Um, you know, uh, there's just some... The <laughs> this style of running. reminded me of the good old days. Style of running. Yeah. Uh, okay, then. Well, let's let, let's go on to them predictions. Um, I did get... Let me just make sure Ty sent everything over. Which I think he has. Because um, I told him to do the game tonight, um, which this is the 12th of January today, so West Ham, Norwich, and then the weekend games as well. Um, because we should have recorded again by next Tuesday when there's a couple of midweek games. So, quite a busy time it is for some football teams at the moment. I know Tottenham, I know Chelsea. You know, play a midweek weekend, midweek weekend, midweek weekend. That's you know, six games in three weeks to be a footballer. Um, but we'll start with the game tonight. Uh, West Ham, Norwich City. Ty's gone for 3-1 West Ham. Um, there's a lot of confidence in Norwich scoring. I mean, they did win against Charlton. (laughs) They did, but they were also battered against Charlton from what I listened to and very easily could have drawn or lost that game. So, I haven't scored against West Ham since 2016. 4-0 West Ham. Uh, I'm going to go with a 2-1 West Ham. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, last time they played, Mikel Antonio scored fourth, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Brighton Crystal Palace. Ty's just told me it's going to be a draw. So unfortunately, he's going to have to stick with a nil-nil because he hasn't given me a result. He's just said he's just said draw. So he's going nil-nil. Uh, I'm going to go with Palace two, Brighton one. Give me a sec. 
Brighton's goal difference this season is zero. Crystal Palace's goal difference is minus one. So they're both equally not very good at scoring more than they defend. Uh, so it, well, um, since they've started playing in the Premier League, there's only been a two-goal winning margin once. Every other game has been by one goal or been a draw. I'm going to go one-one. One-one. Good shout. Uh, the big one for what did you us say? Chelsea, uh, I said two-one Palace. Okay. Uh, the big one for us Chelsea fans this weekend. Um, Manchester City at the Etihad. If you want any hope of winning the league. Have to you win. You need to win this one. Have to win. Because they're running away with it. But I'm confident. Are oh, you now? I I am confident. You yeah. know, we've got a good team. Okay. Um sure. A team that are probably gonna have to play full strength tonight against Tottenham in the cup and then come back and play City at the weekend. But I'm gonna go with 2-1 Chelsea which is what Ty has also gone for I have faith in Kepa 2-1 the other way Man City 2-1 coincidentally uh, Man City uh, for the first time in history has generated more revenue than Man United so you know Man United just disappoint me oh, do you know what I'm really looking forward to this match though can't lie. Last time at the Etihad, Chelsea won two one. Probably no no. Burnley Leicester. Uh, I just just quickly, I just had to look at that. I just realised that the uh, what the Premier League app called the king of the match from uh, the last time we played at the Etihad was Edouard Mendy, who is currently at the African Cup of Nations. So maybe not, but um, I'm going to stick with it two one. Who do you say, Burnley Leicester? Yeah. Uh, Ty has gone for Leicester two, Burnley one. I think Burnley are in real trouble now. They're about to lose Chris Wood. Um, however, going off recent performances against each other, every game has been pretty tight. Um, Leicester won Burnley nil. Two nil to Leicester. Interesting. Interesting. We're all three of us going for a uh, Watford, Newcastle, well, Newcastle, Watford, even should I say? Um, Ty has gone for a Watford one nil win. Oh, this is such a hard game to call because Newcastle are still kind of rediscovering themselves, and that is. I think Watford are still missing Dennis, aren't they? Cause I don't. He didn't. Did he? He didn't go to the African Cup of Nations in the end. I don't think. Um, but I don't think he's back from injury, so I, I don't see there being loads of goals scored. So I might go for a one-one. Newcastle one-nil. Um, hold on, I'll just come up, come off the fixtures again. Norwich Everton. <laughs> Oh. Two teams where this Double is header. kind of really a relegation six-pointer. Uh, I like to think Everton's in a hot mess at the moment. But, yeah, both of them have been abysmal in terms of their form. Did win against uh, Arsenal at home, though. Uh, yeah, go on then. Let's have a 1-0 Norwich. 
Ty has Ty has gone two one Everton. Uh, I am going to go two one Norwich. Um, next up is Wolves of Hampton. Hampton who played very well last night, one four one against Brentford, but haven't won against Wolves since thirteenth of April, twenty nineteen. Uh, Ty has gone for, he said 2-9 Wolves, um, but then corrected it to (laughs) 2-0. Classic Ty. I don't know, I'm... Oh, I'm going to go 2-1 to Lambton. Oh, wait, no, it's it's at Molyneux, isn't it? Okay. um... Oh, I don't know, 2-1 Wolves. 2-0 Wolves. Uh, the rematch, Aston Villa United. Ty's gone 2-2. That's a lot of confidence com- uh, for United to score two goals. Uh, Villa, 2-1. I'm also going to go uh, a Villa Villa win. <sighs> Let's go for 3-1. Okay, I was, I'm going to go 2-1. I was debating doing it because you'd gone for the same, but I'm going to go 2-1 Villa. You're going 3-1 Villa. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Uh, then we've got Sunday's game. So we've got Liverpool-Brentford. There's only one way this can go, right? Even without Mane, Salah, uh, Naby Keita. I mean, this is a really good opportunity for like players like um, Jota to establish himself. You know, Thiago to, to shine. Um, and my man Minamino. Come on. Um, he has scored a lot of goals in the cup games but I think Minamino is time to come good in the league so um, let's go for <laughs> I was going to say 4-0 uh, yeah that's why not 4-0 4-0 Liverpool Ty's gone 3-2 Liverpool I'm going to go with a 2-0 Liverpool um, then we've got West Ham Leeds Ty's gone West Ham 2, Leeds 1. I'm going to also go West Ham 2, Leeds 1. 3-1. Going 3-1. And then the final game, the North London derby. Tottenham against Arsenal. This is a big one because both teams are now in good form. And I don't know how it's going to go. Ty's gone Arsenal 3, Tottenham 2. Now, I don't know if that's Ty being realistic or whether that's Ty being a Chelsea fan that's realised that Tottenham have three games in hand over us and if they win all three, they could only be one point behind us. So... Uh, Give me a sec. I'm going to go... Oh, I don't... Son's injured. Yeah, they've got no son. Harry Kane's still a bit shaky. I mean, let's not talk about. They're about to potentially about to sell Bergwijn as well to Ajax. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go Arsenal. Arsenal two. Anyone who plays fantasy football, Tottenham nil. You can if you sub out. uh, If you try to like transfer out a midfielder, you just see a sea of red. Granted, some of them are playing in Afcon, but you know. um, Right, who do I think? I think it's going to be nil-nil. Nil-nil. North, a boring North London derby. Surely not. Fine. Um, 
No, no. If you want, if you want to stick with it, yeah, yeah I'm going to stick with that because uh, Arsenal's quite thin at the moment, and Tottenham can't score. Nice, nice. Well, that's that's predictions done. Uh, there was one thing uh, you just reminded me of that I was meant to tell you, but I've forgotten who it is now. I just saw there was another Asian player signed in the Premier League. Um, saw it the other day, and I meant to tell you, but I've forgotten which team they signed for. You think I know about these things, right? Um, I well. It's not being reported because they're being loaned back out again to their original team. But I can't find who it is now. But when I find out, I'll let you know. Do you know which country? No. I don't know if it was Watford. I'll have a look. I'll try and find it and I'll let you know. But yeah, that's another shout to add to your collection. So I still need to set, um, buy Huang's jersey. When you get that January pay, check in. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, well, thank you all for listening again. Um, end of episode 17. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, Ty has recovered um, and will not get a 17th yellow card. Um, but yeah, we'll see you all in episode 18 next week. Thank you very much. I feel like, yeah, if you collect enough yellow cards, you should do a forfeit. Yeah, I think the forfeit should be... I mean, given the reason why he's not here, it would be really funny if we... Get him to eat the spicy noodles as well. Yeah, so it's easily done. I mean, uh, I was going to leave it on a cliffhanger and I was hoping you'd end the episode when I said I think the forfeit should be. Oh. Um, but well, yeah, let's get him to do spicy noodles with us. I'll cut it somewhere. We'll cut For it. Comedic effect. All right, anyway. Bye, everyone. <laughs>